Man, you guys look good. Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? He's here in plain view. Take a look. Open your eyes. He'll show life to you. That's a chorus from an Emmaus uh, weekend. I thought about singing it, but you guys didn't know me. No way I didn't. You know what? It's exciting to be here. Uh, we're kicking off Encounters with Christ. Encounters with Christ. I think about um, the last two weeks. I wasn't here, able to be here last week, but following a professional speaker is not my idea of a good time. Speaking in your hometown where most of you, a lot of you know me, and to know me is to know all my weaknesses, my frailties, so it humbles me to stand before you. But because I've had an encounter with Christ, what else can I do but to serve Him? So, Webster's defines encounter as to meet unexpected or a chance meeting. To meet unexpectedly or a chance meeting. So the question is, is an encounter with Christ a choice or a chance? Does everybody understand the difference between making a choice and a chance? In case you don't, I have an illustration. A choice is an intentional decision or an act on our part. A chance, the best example I can think of, believe it or not, there's a courthouse in Illinois, and I can't recall where it's at. If you guys know, you'll have to tell me. But where the rain falls on one side of the courthouse, the rain actually ends up in the Gulf of Mexico. But if that rain happens to fall on the other side of that courthouse, it ends up in the Great Lakes. That, my friends, is chance. That's a chance. So I ask you again to think about this question. Is it a choice or is it a chance that we have an encounter with Christ? I'd like for you to think about that as I read this scripture. Our text for today is taken out of the book of Luke, verse 24, beginning with verse 13. And the, the caption over the, this portion of the scripture is called, On the Road to Emmaus. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor? to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, a powerful, powerful man in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted, or, yeah, acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so they went to stay with him. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened. They recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scripture? They got up and returned at once. They returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus had, rec- had been recognized by them when he broke the bread. Wow. I see this scripture uh, broken down for me anyway, and I'm going to try to keep it simple, into three parts, three components. And I want to try to share in the next few minutes what those three things are about. See if we can make some sense for ourselves. First, there's lost hope. And then restored hope. And then the desire to share the hope. Now, talking about lost hope, you see these two men, I think, could represent any two men in this room walking on the road of life. Two followers of Christ who have lost their hope. They were disillusioned. They were depressed. The word says downcast. Maybe even devastated. Anybody can relate to any of those words at any time in your life? If you haven't or you can't, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, it can happen to any of us at any time. I, I remember um, my wife and I will be married 28 years, October 21st of next month. And when we were in our second year of marriage, our first child was born. Her name is Mandy. Travis and Casey, Casey you were actually born, I think, one day different. Ends up Casey's uh, mom was pregnant I think three times that my wife was pregnant and they're in the hospital at the same time. Children are all like one day apart. Well, Mandy was this beautiful, blue-eyed, perfect child in our eyes. And we had a wonderful marriage, professional job, doing well. Everything seemed to be just hitting on all cylinders. Attending church, involved in Bible school, involved in Bible studies, doing all the right things. One morning, Becky says to me, I'd like to take Mandy to the doctor today. I'm concerned uh, she's lethargic. She's been thirsty all the time. She's bedwetting, and she had been potty trained for some time. And I thinking, and even I think I even said, ah, she's just going through one of those two-year-old or two-and-a-half-year-old things, you know? I think she'll be fine. But I think to myself, I don't say this, guys, get this part. I think this is more for Becky. She needs some peace about this. So, yeah, take her to the doctor. But never, ever believing or thinking for a moment there was anything wrong. She called me about two hours later at work, and she was crying. And she said, Mandy has been diagnosed with diabetes. Two and a half years old. Our perfect world crumbled. Was I devastated? Absolutely. Was I distraught? Was I disillusioned? Did I question my faith? 
Did I question God? Absolutely. I bring this story to you and I bring it as a personal. I've been there on that road and, and disillusioned and devastated, not understanding, questioning my faith, questioning my God. That's real. We live in an imperfect world. Are there any perfect people here that are willing to share their... I mean, if you were perfect, you'd be willing to raise your hand. None of us are. We live in an imperfect world and we're imperfect. We can lose hope. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, though, Hebrews 11.1 1 says. You see, they had heard and they knew about the resurrection, but he was still dead to them at that time. They had lost the kind of hope that is temporary. Our circumstances can overwhelm us at times. We can all attest it, I think. I read today's uh, daily devotional. Max Licato has a book called From, From God, or God Came Near. And this was in today's. So it says, The trueness of one's beliefs is revealed in pain. Genuineness and character are unveiled in misfortune. Faith is at its best, not in the three-piece suits on Sunday or vacation Bible school on summer days, but at hospital bedsides, cancer wards, and cemeteries. But you know what? Circumstances overwhelm us. And I guess I would confess to you, sometimes I need Jesus with skin on too. But the next step, hope is restored. Before they even know it, before they even recognize it, and how many times has that happened? Before we even recognize it, Christ is with us in many different ways, shapes, and forms. But I also want to point out they were intentional. They invited Christ to spend the evening. He didn't invite himself. We still have a free will, free choice, if and when we recognize an encounter with Christ, to invite him to join us or to be a part of our life. But they were intentional. They had fellowship. They had community. The believers were together. Christ was not actually serving communion. He was serving a meal. He took the leadership role in breaking the bread and, and serving the meal. You see, the circumstances didn't change. The presence of Christ lived out in that community is what changed for them. Did you hear that? The presence of Christ lived out in community is what changed their circumstances. It's kind of like huddle for me. Huddle changes my circumstances. I've sat at that table. I've sat at a table over in the Button Motors this past summer with a group of guys just like you're sitting. They've ministered to me. When I've come with my brokenness or my devastation or my disillusionment, my understanding, my faith wavering, they've lifted me up. Anybody here relate to that? Thank you. I was wondering if you all was paying attention. <laughs> Absolutely. You're a community of believers that have ministered to me. And I thank you for that. And I encourage you to keep doing that for each other. And I'm going to try to keep this to 15 minutes so you can do that today. That's my goal. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. We got power? Yeah. Oh, boy. Technical difficulties. And it would happen to a guy who's technologically impaired, and that would be me. 
Well, anyway, on this walk to Emmaus thing, uh, I remember going up and I had some anxiety. Of course, didn't know what to expect. They wouldn't tell me anything about what was going to happen. And I was kind of a controlled person and liked to know agenda and how, what, when it's going to happen, who's going to be there, you know, all those kind of things. So I went with fear and trepidation. And I can tell you that on that three-day weekend, what happened to me was an encounter with Christ. It was made real. It was made so real that it was so real I wanted to run. I don't know if you understand that. But that unconditional love that I felt from that community was expressed in ways that if you haven't been, you won't understand, but I'll try to explain. It's overwhelming. The love of God so overwhelmed me that on Saturday... There are so many divine surprises that happen and so many ways that God's love is showed through that experience. And again, unconditional. People that don't know me, I want to say, you don't know me. If you knew me, you wouldn't love me. You can't tell me you love me. You don't even know me. But they love me with the Christ kind of love. God's love, the heart of God was in these people. And I thought I understood my faith, but I had so much growing to do and still do. But that was 16 years ago, and I'm telling you, that Saturday experience was so real. Uh, By the time it was time to go to bed, Josh, I was exhausted. I said, God, please, I've had enough love today. I don't need any more. I had cried so much. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, brother. I had cried so much, I said, please, no more. I went back to my room, and I had a room by myself. Now, that's an unusual thing because usually you're with a bunch of snores and they do other things too. But this particular weekend, I had my own room. I went back, walked in, exhausted, tired, cried out, eyes swollen out of my head. Forty-two boxes of Kleenexes have been used. And on my bed was this pile of letters from people I didn't know, from people I knew, telling me how much they loved me again. And I fell on my knees and I said, God, I said I can't take any more love. I can't take anymore. And I felt, as I kneeled, an arm go around me. I looked to see who was in my room. No one was in the room. I had an encounter with Christ like I've never had, and haven't had that since. I've had encounters with Christ in many other ways, but that experience has never left me. It made Christ so real to me I can't help but share. I prayed so much about this, you know, God, do I share this? You know, they're going to think I'm crazy or goofy or delusional. Was I on drugs? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Not at that time. I'm telling you, it blew me away. And it's the reason I'm here today to continue to share the hope that I have because Christ is real and He will make Himself real. Maybe not the same way He did for me. You have your encounters with Christ. And I want you to spend time. Uh, the first question today discusses that. But my prayer is, as we close, that you will continue to have encounters with Christ. That you'll be able to recognize Him. That you'll be able to share that. Even as we continue in this series, spring and fall, or fall and spring both, talking about encounters with Christ. Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? He's here in plain view. I see Him on your faces. Take a look. Open your eyes. He'll show life to you. 
Father God, thank You for Your presence in our lives today. Thank You so much for the encounters with Christ we've already received. And Father, we look forward and pray that we'll recognize You every time we have an encounter, Lord. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.